You're listening to the Living Word Church Podcast. To learn more about Living Word Church and our service times, visit us online at livingwordli.org. Today's message comes from our lead pastor, Doug Jansen. A few weeks ago, I was dropping my beautiful daughter, Brain, off at the nail place. She had to get her nails did, if you know what I mean. And so going to drop her off, and uh, I, I know that there's a certain amount of time that she has to get the nails done before I have to get to community group at night. And so we did this whole thing where we made sure it was going to be done, and she asked the people there. They said, yes, it can take a half hour, whatever it was. And then it's like 45 minutes, and now we're turning into an hour, and now I'm thinking, like, I'm going to be late to community group. So I start texting her, and we're, we're kind of like a little frustrated with one another. I had a bad dad moment where I'm like, where are you? Why, why is it taking so long? She's like, it's not my fault. They told me this, that, and the other. And so we're going back and forth and back and forth. It's a little bit intense. And eventually I figured out that my son Cade could get her and I could go to community group. And so Cade was going to drive her. So I tried to text her, Cade's going to drive you. And instead my phone auto-corrected it to this, Vader going to fry you. (laughs) Now that's a very different set of words than what I intended. And you can imagine the power behind those words would be very different than what I intended. And last week we were reminded that our words are just so powerful. We have to be so careful about the things that we say. We saw in Proverbs 18, 21, that the tongue has the power of life and death. And we saw last week, some of you might say, well, Doug, that sounds like an exaggeration. Come on, death, really? Well, hey, words have led to wars. Words have led to suicide. Life has also been given through words, saved lives physically. But often the death of a relationship, the death of a marriage, the death of a kid's heart and spirit, right? The death of a, an opportunity or somebody's ability to relate to somebody else is drawn apart and driven apart by words, right? But the same is true with the life side of stuff. Life can give life to relationships and marriages and kids and, and, and opportunities. And so we have to be so incredibly careful. And I know some of you guys were like, wow, I just so needed this because I'm such a words person, you know, I'm so impacted by the things that people say to me, and so you're like, this is, this is so good because I just need this, and I need the encouragement, my family needs the encouragement, my kids need to hear this, and all that, and we're just really words people, but some of us are not words people, right? Some of us are like, I don't really, this doesn't apply to me because I'm not impacted by words, but what I'm trying to get across to you is somebody else is impacted by your words, Even if you're not the kind of person who's impacted by words, you need to listen all the more because people you love are impacted by the things that you say. And there are people in this room that positively or negatively had their lives altered by words. Coaches, uh, parents, spouses, somebody you once dated, somebody you once worked for or with have altered your life in some way, for better or for worse, through our words. So we have to just be so incredibly careful. Words are powerful. A few weeks ago, Kelly and I spoke at a retreat up in Connecticut, and we had to take a ferry to get there. And um, the ferry ride on the way back was really rocky. Like, I'm not exaggerating when I sang. When we were trying to get to the cars at the end of the trip, we're like walking down the hallway like this. The whole boat was going like that. It was just really choppy, really cold, windy day. And so as I'm in the bathroom, I, I see that there's this sink like I've never seen in my life before. I actually took a picture of the sink on the ferry to show you. This is the craziest sink ever, right? Like, doesn't it look like just the weirdest sink you've ever seen? And so I fill my hands with the foamy soap, and then I go to put my hands under it, and, and I'm thinking, wow, what luxury that you can put your hands all the way out 
far, right? Like not where the water normally comes out, only to find out that that's where the air vents blow out 10,000 mile an hour winds to dry your hands. So the water comes out the middle, and now what's going to happen when 10,000 mile an hour winds hit the foamy soap? It goes everywhere, right? So I think to myself, well, this is a funny story. I could take a little picture, and I'll use it in a message illustration one day. And so I take the picture, and then I email myself. I do this all the time when I see something or think of something so I don't forget it. I'll email myself just like a couple words to remind myself of something to say in a message. And so I just wrote very simply fairy sink on the thing, right? So I go back to my seat and I take my phone out a few minutes later and I open it and my email pops open and here we are on this crazy windy day with the, 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 the boats going back and forth like this and, and I open it up and Kelly just sees the subject on my email. It just says fairy sink. And I'm like, no, not that kind of fairy sink. Like this, the fairy is not going to sink. I'm talking about the sink in the fairy bathroom, right? Because our words are so powerful, right? It's amazing what an impact that they have. And last week, we really focused on the negative side of it. We talked about the death that can come through gossip. And I really wish this series could be like six weeks long. Just the way that the calendar worked out, it just isn't going to work that way. But I, just, I wish we could keep talking about this because I think it's so important. But I pray the concepts will go deep into our hearts and that we'll live this. Maybe we should change the name of the church to Speak Life Church. I don't know. But I just pray that we would be this, that we wouldn't just hear this, but we would be this. And today, we're going to really jump in to the positive side, but let me remind you where we were last week, because this was so important. You know, if our church could get what we talked about last week and live it out, how different our lives would be and how different our church would be and how greater our impact would be. And so last week, we talked about gossip. We talked about the definition of gossip, and there were th three phrases that started with the letter B that I hope you remember. Does anybody remember the first one, what the first definition is? Anybody? Anybody got it? Bad news, thank you, bad news. Everybody say bad news. So this is just bad news. It's, it could be misinformation about somebody. It could be bad news about somebody. I hate them, I can't stand them, I don't like them. Or bad news for somebody. They're losing their job, the house is being foreclosed on, right? Just bad news. Does anybody remember the second phrase? Behind somebody's back, we'll get there, thank you. You're right on it, it's just, it's just yeah, yeah. Behind somebody's back, right? Behind somebody's back, and so this is when somebody hurt me over here, and I'm gonna go tell this section over there, right? And so now we're gonna have this whole behind the back thing going on. So everybody say, behind somebody's back. And now we're gonna say, my man Nick's got bad heart, right? It's coming out of a bad heart, it's coming out of my anger. I'm angry with somebody, so I'm gonna say something bad. I'm jealous of somebody, so I'm gonna do something bad behind their back, right? So that bad heart is just coming from that gross place. Everybody say, bad heart. So bad news behind somebody's back, bad heart. That's the definition of gossip that we're using here. And I told you, our staff's going through this book called Resisting Gossip by Matthew Mitchell. I encourage you to read it and check it out. But this is such important stuff that we would stop spreading death through gossip and speak life. That as Amy Carmichael said, never about, always to. In other words, we're never gonna talk about somebody. If we have an issue with somebody, we're gonna only talk to them. Never about, always to. Does anybody remember what my t-shirt I was going to make up for everybody was going to say? First service had it. Come on. Come on, yell it out. Somebody's got it. I'll, I'll wait. I'll, I, I got nowhere to go. I got an, an hour. If it ain't your place, shut your face. Come on, really? You guys didn't remember that? If it ain't your place, shut your face. That's what my shirt's going to say. Uh, I'm going to market it and give it away, uh, and you all have to wear it every time we come to church. But today I want to talk about the positive side. So we saw last week that gossip can destroy right? 
And we saw that clearly in, the Solomon, in Solomon's scripture, uh, the, the, the words that he spoke in scripture. But today I want to talk about the positive side. I want you to see how powerful it is when we use our, our words to, to speak life and give life. I want you to see the unifier that you're called to be, the restorer that you're called to be, the peacemaker that you're called to be. I want you to see how you and I are called to find somebody who has something going on that's being said about them or, or a misunderstanding that somebody has with them and the unity that we're to bring to that situation. And, you know, I want to take the message in a little bit of a different direction. So Ephesians has this amazing chapter about building one another up and not breaking down or tearing other people down. And it's so important. It's a great chapter. And James talks about the power of the tongue, how it sets the whole course of somebody's life, right? But I want us to see something different today because we've done Ephesians and we've done James. I want us to look at a story we've never looked at together here at church. I want us to see something that's so powerful. And what I love about this passage is it doesn't just say encourage people, okay? I feel like sometimes we can kind of just miss that or lose that or just kind of feel like, oh, so I'm just supposed to say nice words to people, right? That's true and great and important, but it's more than that. And I think we can look at James. And again, nothing wrong with that chapter in James. It's awesome. But I want you to see the power of a story of when somebody lives this out, that we wouldn't just look at a concept today, but we would see how it's fleshed out by somebody living it out like you and I can. Somebody who's in a circumstance that maybe you and I are, are even finding ourselves. And so I pray today that you'll see how powerful it is to bring about unity, to restore relationships, and to dispel misunderstandings, and to really set the record straight on somebody else's behalf, right? Like, have you ever been that person that walked into the room and this whole group felt some way about somebody else, but it wasn't true? Or you ever walked into the room and this whole group over here were talking about somebody else, and, and maybe it was or wasn't true, but you have the opportunity to shut that down and bring some peace and unity and healing? Like, that's what I want to talk about with you today. And this excites me because it shows me our potential. And the outcome of living this way, as we're going to see clearly in this story today, is incredible, like literally life-changing. I said last week, you and I wouldn't have heard about Jesus in the ways that we have in 2022 if, la if this story right here didn't happen. If somebody in this story didn't stand up and say, I'm going to be the reconciler, I'm going to be the man who sets the record straight, I'm going to be the one that shuts down misinformation, and I'm going to bring unity. And listen, then something powerful happens because we're meant to do something powerful together. Everybody say together. Together is huge. What we can accomplish together, unified, not sitting around listening to all kinds of gossip, not in all kinds of drama and issues, it's just so powerful. If you're not a follower of Jesus, isn't it awesome that God cares about this? He cares about the words that come out of our mouths. Isn't it awesome also that God has a moment for you here in the message today, I think, to hear about what he's done for you in a clear way. And so I, I pray that you'll listen in along with us. So let's jump into this. We're going to be looking in the book of Acts at a few scriptures that kind of tell this story about this, this kind of central figure we're going to look at today. And there was amazing unity between the Christians in the first century. They were caring for one another. They were helping one another. They were sustaining one another, even physical needs. But then we hear about this guy named Joseph, but the apostles gave him a different name. And so let's catch up. Acts 4, verse 36. It says, Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas. Everybody say Barnabas. Which means son of encouragement. Everybody say son of encouragement. 
a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field. So here is Joseph that they now call Barnabas. He sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So it's pretty awesome that this man named Joseph, who obviously Joseph, so he was from Long Island but grew up in the Bronx, right? Like everybody here, right? Like if you come to our church and you're newer, like I was saying, and we want you to connect here and get to know some people's names, like if you go around and just say, hi, Joe, that's, you're gonna be right about 50% of the time here at Living Word Church. So to... Avoid confusion with all the Long Island Joes the apostles might encounter. They gave Joseph this new name, Barnabas. No, they gave him the name because it means son of encouragement. And names were huge in biblical times. Like you didn't just name your kid after your, your dad or your grandpa or you come up with some cool trendy name like the Jansons did, right? Like, no, you actually would look into the meaning of a name. Right? Like, it had purpose. It was significant. It was about origin. It was about circumstance. Sometimes it was about character or purpose that God would give a person. And the same is true with the renaming of people. There were many people in the Bible who were renamed from one thing to another. And again, it was about purpose, character, origin, situation that they found themselves in. And so we're going to see in the story today that Barnabas wasn't the only one who got a name change. There's a very important, different name change in, in just a minute. But Joseph was renamed Barnabas because he was the son of encouragement. And you can imagine him selling his possessions and giving it to the apostles so they can help people in need would have greatly encouraged them. But that's just the beginning. It didn't end there. You see, it goes on further. There's another guy that's a big part of the story. Everybody say Saul. Everybody say Paul. All right, so Saul becomes Paul. Another name change, right? Saul was a Christian killer, hated Jesus, hated Christians, was signing off and approving on the death of Christians. But then he encounters Jesus himself, and everything changes. And Saul is now called Paul. And so through the message today, you might hear me say Saul, you might hear me say Paul, but it's the same person that we're talking about. But think for a minute. Put yourself in the place of the disciples or the apostles, it's pretty much the same group of people. The disciples followed Jesus around before he was crucified and rose back from the dead, and then they became apostles and, and built churches and got the message out after. And so you might hear me say disciples are apostles, same group of people that I'm talking about, okay? So we got Joseph turning to Barnabas. Say Barnabas. We got Saul turning to Paul. Say Paul. All right, and then we got the disciples and apostles. But imagine that um, a, a local leader in 2022 in Long Island was, was finding and hunting down Christians and then killing them. And then he claimed to get saved, right? And then he, and then he said, I want to get close with the church leaders. Like, tell me the church leaders. Introduce me to all the church leaders. You can imagine the church leaders would be nervous about this, right? Is this genuine? Is this real? Is, is he just going to come and, and arrest us and kill us? And so this is where the disciples found themselves and it says this in Acts 9, 26. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he, talking about Paul, attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. They believed this was just a show, and he'd arrest everybody and have them killed, just like the Jews had had Jesus killed. But it says in verse 27, but Barnabas, everybody say Barnabas, took him, took Paul, and brought him to the apostles. The apostles. The son of encouragement had seen a potential rift, had seen the potential breaking of the most unbelievable bringing together of two groups imaginable. Again, I'm not underselling that, or overselling that, rather, right? The, the apostles, right, were the guys who saw Jesus come back from the dead and would have great impact on the church and would write a bunch of the New Testament, right? And then Paul 
was this newbie Christian who had the possibility to change the world. And we know the end of the story, right? But they didn't know it then. Barnabas didn't know it in the moment. Barnabas didn't know who Saul Paul was going to become, right? And so here he is bringing, uh, bringing Saul to the apostles. Guys, this is one of our jobs. This is what we do, Christians. We see misunderstanding. We see one group with misinformation about another. We see an opportunity to set the record straight. And this is what we do. We take advantage of that. And we go and we set the record straight. We bring unity where there's disunity. We bring um, understanding where there's misunderstanding. We bring peace where there's fear. This is what we do. Our staff went through a book earlier in the year called The Peacemaker. Awesome book. We, ref we, we, we refer back to it all the time, and it's so helpful because that's who we're supposed to be, peacemakers, right? I was talking with a local businessman recently, and he was telling me that he was surprised at how much of his time and effort in his business was spent on managing conflict and working with people. And he said that he would ballpark that 90% of his time is spent on relational stuff. People disagreeing, trying to bring people in the same room, trying to work through stuff, trying to get through misunderstanding. He said, I had no idea that was coming. He's like, I can't believe how much time I've spent as a counselor and as a coach and as a peacemaker. And if that's in the secular business world, then how much more, church, is that supposed to be you and me? Peacemakers here, peacemakers out in the world. This is what we're called to. So Barnabas brought Saul to the disciples, and it says this, and this is Barnabas talking. Barnabas declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him, and how Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So Barnabas says, I can bring life. There. So here's all the disciples all huddled over here in fear, and here is Paul saying, no, I really love Jesus. He really showed up in my life and changed my life. And here's Barnabas saying, I can bring these groups together. And so he goes over to the apostles, and he says, guys, he's for real. I've seen it. He's boldly preached. He's a changed man. He is different. He is new. What an opportunity you and I have to be that for somebody, right? Listen, to speak life, to give encouraging words is important, but how much more so even to bring unity? How much more so to shut down gossip? How much more so to dispel misinformation about somebody and to set the record straight and to see potential where two groups could come together? Guys, there's a good chance this was difficult for Barnabas. Why don't we do this more often? Because it's hard, it's uncomfortable. Right? What if Barnabas put himself out there and then the apostles rejected him? These are the guys who changed his name. He'd be standing there going, am I Joseph again? Like, do I, what name am I going by, right? Like, who am I? Like, he, he spent his, his life now spreading the message of Jesus. If the disciples said, no, we don't want this guy, Paul, you go hang with him and, and see what happens. Hopefully you don't end up dead. Like, what could have happened to Barnabas? What if Barnabas was wrong? What if Paul was playing him? Guys, we got to put ourselves out there. We've got to see some gossip happening and shut it down. We've got to see misinformation and, and speak life to it. We've got to see two people like not getting along or misunderstanding one another, not agreeing or not on the same page and say, wait, not on my watch, not on my watch. Here at Speak Life Church, right, we're going to change that. We're going to make sure that situations find peace and unity because everybody say together, Together we can do so much. But listen, 
We can't do together if there's gossiping. We can't do together if there's misunderstanding. We can't do together if we get offended and we retreat and run from church altogether or run from that service because that's when that person goes or run from our community because that's what that person did to us. And how can we, right? We've got to face it and we've got to stand and we've got to work through it. We've got to love through it, but I don't like their politics. Get yourself centered around Jesus, but I don't like what they post on Instagram. Get yourself centered around Jesus, and we love, and we forgive, and we don't count their past against them. Anybody thankful that Saul's past wasn't counted against them? Because that means yours and mine aren't either? Wow. Listen, is there a time maybe to take a step back from a certain environment so that you can heal? Yeah, of course. Is there a time to maybe put a little distance between you and somebody for a season so that things can calm down? Of course. Man, God is a God of reconciliation. God has called you and I to be a huge part of that. We're supposed to be hundreds of people come to Living Word Church or Speak Life Church. And I'm not really changing the name of the church to Speak Life Church. By the way, you're like, where's the T-shirt? No, it's, the, the T-shirt says, if it ain't your place, shut your face. That's what the T-shirt says. But man, we imagine hundreds of us on this mission, not on my watch, not on our watch. Are we going to allow disunity to come between us? Why? Because everybody feels so good when we're together. No. Because we have something to accomplish together. Costs us sometimes. Listen, there's been times I've been the reconciler, and I brought group A together with group B, and I lost both group A and group B. Man, that kills you. That hurts so much. But there's been times I brought group A and group B together, and we've worked through it. And there's been resolution, and there's unity, and we're stronger for it. And group A and group B have now made an investment in their relationship. That's what we're afraid of, man. We're afraid of those investments because they're painful and they're costly. Sometimes we'll invest on the market in finances, but we won't invest in our relationships. But we're called to be these kinds of people. I said it last week. There's people not sitting in seats here today at Living Word Church because conflict arose and nobody talked about it. Or they didn't even let us know maybe. There's people here that I've reached out to like, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. I haven't heard a thing back from. Just tell me. Did I hurt you? Man, I would love to make that right. Somebody here hurt you? We got to make that right. We're a family. We're not just people who will show up at 328 or 495 Hoffman Lane, eventually at 328 Hoffman Lane, right? On a Sunday, we're a family. We're together, and we're going to do stuff together we can't do apart. Can you imagine if Paul has never been connected with the apostles? Now, God in his sovereignty, of course, was going to get the message to you and me. It wasn't like God's in heaven going, oh, I hope this Saul apostle thing works out, right? In God's sovereignty, you and I would know who Jesus is, but isn't it amazing that in his sovereignty, he used Barnabas to bring Saul and the apostles together to basically write the New Testament and add a few extra people in there in the mix as well. Like how powerful, what was at stake was the whole message of that first century breaking out like it did to Jew and Gentile, right? This is the plan of God as reconciliation takes place. Verse 28, so he went in and out among them at Jerusalem. This is Paul now. So the disciples said, all right, come on in. We're going to take Barnabas' word here, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. Barnabas' words brought life to that relationship, to Paul's potential, to what the disciples and Paul could do together. Guys, that's the potential for you and me. Everybody say together. Everybody say together. This is, this is what it's about, Right? It's about us going through ups and downs together. It's about us carrying one of those weights together. It's about us walking through uncertainty together. It's about us making an impact on the community together. And this only happens when we're working stuff through. 
You know, years ago, you know, I'm not going to tell that story. Forget it. I was going to tell it. I'm like, probably not most beneficial thing. I'm speaking, I'm, I'm choosing to shut down. I'm choosing to speak life instead. Acts 9, 29, because that would have been out of my hurt and frustration. I don't want to do that. Uh, and he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists. Everybody say Hellenists. All right, so what are they? Those are the people that run hell. No, I'm kidding. They, they were a group of people that would have lived in that time, but they were seeking to kill him. So Paul is telling this group of people about Jesus. He's alive. He rose back from the dead. Wow. And the Hellenists are going, we don't like this. We don't like this Paul guy. In fact, we're going to kill him. But look at what happens. And when the brothers, everybody say the brothers. Who do you think those brothers may have been? Okay, we'll talk about that in a second. And when the brothers learned this, that Paul was in harm, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. The Christians who were once afraid of Paul sent for him and protected him, right? Who are the brothers in this verse? Well, there's a really good chance the brothers are the apostles, the very ones who were in the group huddled together afraid of of, of Paul. Right? They're the ones who now have spoken life and said, no, let's go get him. Do you see how things really escalate? Right? So there's a whole mob of people who want to take Paul down, the Hellenists. Right? And it probably started with one or two people in a little corner whispering about Paul and what they should do to him. Okay? And on the other side of it, you have the brothers likely made up of the disciples, or if not the very disciples, people that would have respected the disciples. And when they said Paul's legit, they thought Paul was legit. So now it just takes a few of them to say, oh no, we've got to protect Paul. Let's speak life, right? Like literal life. So the Hellenists have death on their tongue. Paul and, or I'm sorry, the disciples have life on their tongue. And you can see how it escalates. Just a few people cause a mob to take Paul out. And a whole other bunch of people start out with just a few. And it escalates into a whole big thing where they protect Paul's life. Do you see the power of what we say? Do you see how things grow and how they escalate? Around Easter time, our college group was at the property up the street, and they were doing some Eastery stuff, and somebody brought some hard-boiled eggs, and they were writing stuff and coloring stuff. And so my nephew, Ian, and his girlfriend, Grace, say, oh, we should make an egg for Doug, and we're going to leave this hard-boiled egg on his desk. And they wrote my name on it and made some designs, apparently. Now, between the time they left the egg and the time I got to my desk, which was probably the next day or two, somebody took a pen and drove it through the hard-boiled egg and then put it upside down in my pen holder. So I'm sitting at my desk, clueless that this egg is there. So a few days go by, no egg, no egg smell, no nothing, right? I'm good, right? A few more days go by, week, two, three, a month goes by, right? And I'm sitting at my desk. It's one day, and the the office is full one day. We're all at our desk, and I'm like, what is going on? Like, like I'm looking at Joey and Andrew and Joe across the way. I'm like, these guys don't shower. Like, I don't even know what's happening here, right? And so then eventually I was just like, Somebody smells that, right? And Joey's like, thank God, I thought it was you, you know? And so we start to hunt around. We have no idea what this smell is, right? So we're looking all over the place, and um, we're, uh, like, eventually we bring it back to my desk. That was, that was the, the source, right? But I didn't know what it was still. So I'm picking up picture frames, like books, like file cabinet, little folder thingamajiggers. And then eventually I pick up my pen holder, and I smell a big whiff because you're trying to find it. So you're taking these big whiffs. And I almost passed out on the spot right there. 
I'm like, what? And I open this thing and I take it out and here is this rotten egg on this pen. Now either the cleaning lady like saw it on my desk and grabbed it and put it in there thinking she was helping or one of the youth kids somewhere in here, right? I don't quite know, you're getting a little shifty over there. No, I don't know who did this. I don't, still to this day don't know who did it. But isn't it funny how this little thing grew into something so big? And it smelled and it escalated and it impacted the whole room. Guys, that's what words of death do, right? They start out small. Let me just say a couple things. And then they escalate and they smell. But listen, on the other side of it, when we speak life, escalation happens too, doesn't it? That's what we see here in the story. The Hellenists want death, speaking words of death. The brothers and the Christians come around and say, we can protect Paul. Are you seeing the power of life is in the tongue? He's seeing the power of the son of encouragement, Barnabas, saying, I can make a difference here. I'm going to bring these groups together. It literally saves Paul's life, and it has eternally saved our lives as we know the message of Jesus as the disciples and Paul put together the scriptures through time as they write letters to one another and to the churches. And now we have this amazing historical record of what took place in the first century with the risen Savior. Like, what an amazing thing has happened. Verse 31, look at the outcome. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, so many cities, had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. What happened? The church blew up. Why? Because Christians were loving each other. Christians were bringing peace. Christians were being reconcilers like we're supposed to be. Gossip was shut down. Misunderstanding was dispelled. And Barnabas stood and said, you can trust this guy. I can vouch for him. Guys, we are to be that for one another. We are to be that for our church family. We're to be that in our community. We're to be that in our marriages. We're to be that with our children. We're to be that in our work environments and our schools. This is what God's called us to be. And when people see that about us, they will be drawn in. The church here walked in unity. They were comforted by the Holy Spirit, and they reached so many people. So what will we do? We walk into an awkward conversation join it? Do we add to it? Do we let it just happen? Or do we become a Barnabas in the moment and say, wait a minute, not on my watch. I can see what you're seeing and yet you're misunderstanding. Let me bring these groups together. I'm going to speak life. I'm not going to speak death. I'm going to speak life. One last example of how God used Barnabas and Saul and the disciples. It's very quick here. So we're getting ready to land the plane here, all right? So Barnabas is sent to a place called Antioch, and it says Acts 11, 23. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad and he exhorted them. Everybody say exhorted. Exhorted is another word for? Encouraged, right? Encouraged. Somebody raised their hand in the back for that one. I can't. Encouraged. Right? So here is Barnabas still using that gift of encouragement. He's exhorting everybody. And it says this, and he exhorted them all, all, excuse me, all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. So sometimes we encourage somebody, like we see a gift, we're like, wow, God's really gifted you in that way. Wow, God's really called you to that. Wow, that's amazing what, what God's done in you. Or, or it's just, hey, you're really funny, or you're really talented, or you're great at basketball, or whatever it might be, right? Encouraging words are great. But this is even more than that. This is encouraging them in the Lord, right? Barnabas is using that encouragement gift to say, remain steadfast. I'm going to encourage you to remain steadfast. And guys, we need to be this for one another, don't we? Hey, keep your eyes on Jesus. Hey, 
Don't stop praying. Hey, don't stop trusting. Hey, all things for good for those who love the Lord are called according to his purpose, right? We're gonna keep our eyes on Christ. We're gonna do a series in January on the book of Colossians. I'm really excited about this, but I've been meditating just in my own personal life on a couple of verses in Colossians that just talk about having our hearts and our eyes steadfast on Christ, right? We need to be encouraging each other with that. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. I know your situation is really hard, but keep your eyes on Jesus. I know that you're feeling like God failed you. He didn't fail you. You remain steadfast, right? That's a whole other level of encouragement and exhortation. And it says this about Barnabas. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. Barnabas, exhortation and encouragement continues to lead to people coming to know Jesus. And then I love this as we get to this next part. So, so Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he'd found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people, and in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christian. Thank God for Barnabas and Saul. Thank God for their relationship, but not just that. Look, it goes further. This is the last verse we're going to look at today. A prophet of God said that a famine was coming, and I want you to see what happens. Verse 29. So the disciples, everybody say disciples. So remember those guys, the guys who were afraid, the guys over here in the corner afraid of Saul. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea, and they did so, sending it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas. Say Barnabas and Saul. Say Saul. Who worked together here? The disciples, Barnabas and Saul, the ones who were afraid, the one who brought reconciliation, the one they were afraid of, the one that was misunderstanding, the ones that was misunderstood, the ones who saw Jesus come back from the dead, and the one who had a horrible past but encountered Jesus on that road that day and was a new person. And Barnabas is in the middle of it all. Do you see the power of what can happen when we become life givers, life speakers? You see what can happen when we erase gossip and we decide I'm not going to tear down and I'm not going to even make fun of and I'm not going to speak badly of. I'm going to have their back. You see what we can do together. Everybody say together. See what we can do together. That's why this matters so much. Look, I, I'm like um, everybody, like, like the more the merrier kind of personality. Like, like, like hey, if, if we're having an event or something, great. Bring the whole world. Like, that's awesome. Let's just do this. Like, the more the merrier. And that feels great. That feels good to me. But that's not what this is about. It's not just it feels good to have us all together, you know, at the Christmas Eve Eve service with our candles singing a holy night. I mean, that's awesome. But that's not it, right? We're not doing this all for that moment, right? We're doing this because there's a whole bunch of people out there that need Jesus. We're doing this because our church can impact so many people together, and God's got a mission for us, but we have to speak life. I mean encouragement. I mean, hey, that's an amazing gift God's given you to keep your eyes on Jesus, remain steadfast in your faith, to, hey, I'll encourage you through sacrificing some so you can have some, to, hey, these two parties are apart. We've got to come together. We gotta get them in the same room. We gotta talk this through. They need a little space. They need to not come to community group for a little bit. They need to go to a different service for a little bit. Okay, but man, the day's gonna come where we're gonna reconcile this. And we're gonna see God move and bring healing. And we're gonna be a, a family, a church family that's at peace with one another. Are you gonna be a, a person that sets the record straight? Are you gonna be a person that shuts down gossip? Are you gonna be a person that speaks life? Are you gonna be a person that brings peace and unity? It's so much bigger than just nice words versus mean words. Those are impor important. 
but man, what God can do through us together. So I want you to think and pray about who you can be this for. Maybe as I've been talking, there's a situation, a person, somebody that you can be this for. I'm gonna tell you that I'm still in ministry today because people have done this for me, literally. Like you asked my wife and I, how do we keep going? Because there have been people, and, and the grace of God, A, right? And the encouragement that comes straight from him. But man, there have been so many of you guys at just the right moment when we needed it so badly have come alongside us and said, we love you guys. We're gonna get through this. There's disagreement, you know? I think back to 2020, 2021, all the hardship, disagreement that the whole world went through. We're so grateful for so many of you guys who just kept on going. You reminded us to keep our eyes on Jesus, and you prayed that we would. That's why we're still here, man, because this is not easy. And I'm, I'm not crying up here because you, you all live in the same world I do. It's not easy anywhere, no matter what you do. But, man, it's those encouragers. It's those reconcilers. It's those peacemakers that have kept my heart in it. And I'll tell you, God wants to use you to do the same. He wants you to be the one that somebody else comes back to church who had left us. Because you're like, I'm not gonna let this happen on my watch. Somebody who should be sitting in the seat next to you or the aisle across from you, man, we're gonna make this right. And so will you be that kind of person? That's who I wanna be. Jesus was the ultimate reconciler, right? If you're not a follower of Jesus, it's amazing that he cares about this stuff, isn't it? That God cares about your heart, that it be encouraged and built up. But Jesus was the ultimate reconciler because there was a chasm between us and God because of sin, and Jesus came and it took his life. It took him dying in our place and rising from the dead to, to make you his, that you could know him, that there'd be peace between you and God. Talk about reconciling. So if you want a relationship with Jesus today, then I would love for you to pray with me. But church, let's be this. Church family, come on, let's be Speak Life Church. Let's be championing one another on. Let's be believing the best. Let's hold that crown six inches above one another's head so we can grow up into it. Let's shut our face when it ain't our place. And let's be Speak Life Church. Because together, God can do so much through us. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your challenge that we see here in Barnabas, God. We want to be a bunch of Barnabases, God. This is who we want to be. This is who we want our church family to be filled up with, a bunch of us who can grow into this, Lord. And I thank you that, God, you don't count our, our sin against us. I thank you for the example of Saul. That Jesus, you can change his life. You could change anybody's life. But, oh, Lord, that you would train us up to be a bunch of Barnabas, sons and daughters of encouragement, that we would carry life. Thank you for Barnabas. I thank you that his words saved Paul's physical life. I thank you it saved his relationship and really made his relationship with the apostles possible. And because of that, how many of our lives have been eternally saved and impacted? Talk about escalation. Talk about what a few words can do. I thank you, God, for a man like Barnabas. Let us be like him. If you're a follower of Jesus, would you pray about this? And would you pray specifically? Is there a situation that you need to be a Barnabas in to bring peace? Maybe it's you towards somebody, you and somebody. Maybe it's you see two groups of friends or two groups of people. Maybe you know somebody who left the church because I hurt them or somebody here hurt them and they haven't been back since. And you can say, no, we need to make this right. There needs to be reconciliation. There needs to be love and forgiveness. Or maybe another church that hurt somebody that you know. And again, I would encourage you to encourage them. Go back there. 
Go back there. Work through this. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I wonder if you might today want to look to the reconciler, the one who made things right between you and God, the one who erased our sins. And like Saul, we can say we've been forgiven. Maybe you weren't a Christian killer. Maybe you weren't someone who was trying to destroy the work of Jesus on earth like Saul was. But man, all of us have sin in our lives. And he loved you enough to die in your place and rise again. If you'd like to pray with me now, I'd encourage you to do so. You can say something like this. Jesus, thank you so much for reconciling me to God. Thank you for your forgiveness, your love, your mercy, your grace. Thank you that you made things right for me. Oh, Jesus, show me how real you are. And God, help me to be someone who speaks life. Amen.